Hello friends, welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church, all about the messages we hear each and every week. My name is Nathan Story, I'm your host, your guide, hello, good to see you. Joining me are Aaron Gibson and Cesar Guerrero, my, my tried and true compatriots. Hey guys. Hey there. Happy, happy Ash Wednesday. Happy Ash Wednesday. Did you say that? <laughs> I, I guess, I guess it's happy. It's supposed to be happy. It's happy-ish, if you have happy. a context. Yeah, that's going. right. Happy Ash. <laughs> happy Ash. Happy Ash. If you if you take the story in its full context, I think yeah, there. I guess there's some, yeah. some joy yeah. to it. Some joy to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we are still, and we will be for the foreseeable future for a long time <laughs> in the whole story series at Lake Forest Church, which is a series in which we're looking at the Bible in its entirety and the entire story of the the foundation of our faith through that lens of scripture. And this week we heard from Aaron. Um, about um, perhaps one of the trashiest stories in the Bible. Can I call it that? Can I call it a trash? Yes, I think so. It really is. Yeah, all about uh, the deceiver, about Jacob and his, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. Yes. (laughs) Did y'all know that song? Because I I grew up with that song. So, yeah, Yeah. did y'all know that? I I thought of an Out of Eden song, which was a a 90s... um, christian attempt at destiny's child not to say they were bad but but to say because christian's music has always tried to just imitate right so out of eden was very much trying to cash in on the tlc destiny Uh fad and there's a song called looking for love that's the song i went to i was actually texting my brother-in-law during the sermon what i don't do that i I (laughs) um during that and i was like do you know what's that song from the 90s it's a christian song looking for love in all the wrong places just to find someone who could erase the so i didn't know i didn't know the song you're royalties we have to pay royalties now dang it dang it all right that if there's 10 (laughs) seconds of silence just now you'll know why it's because i inevitably went to sing something i wasn't allowed to sing yeah (laughs) So, but so remind me, what was the song you were referencing, Aaron, in the uh, in the beginning? Well, there it, it was. He didn't write it, but Kenny Rogers made it famous. I think I think it was Kenny Rogers, and okay, uh, okay. it's it's associated with uh, an old classic John Travolta film, uh, young young John Travolta. So um, <laughs> okay, yeah, at, at any rate, at with any, yeah, yeah, what he had here. But it's looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces. Okay. Uh, it's, yeah, it's good, good barroom, uh, you know, country jingle. Okay. So not like friends in low places. Is it like a similar vibe to, to that friends in low places song? Uh, no, this kind of hearing mournful, it that would more be more mournful. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's, He's kind. He's kind of. Uh, you know. I mean, it's actually a really good song. He's kind of lamenting all of these bad relational choices if you want to call them relationships but sure, you know sure. um all these bad choices he's made and how they don't satisfy I mean, it's actually a really uh biblical song in that way yeah well as you can tell from the preamble of our uh, conversation here uh it goes really well for jacob doesn't it yeah. <laughs> that's right that's right he does find love in a lot of different faces <laughs> yes he does yes, he does yeah. yeah so i was i had forgotten this but by the time he's done he actually has four wives yep of course, he only loves one of them, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, it's but it's it's a it's not exactly your your Sunday school sanitized <laughs> story. This is this is kind of raw stuff. Yeah, this yeah, is one of Valentine's Day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a perfect lining up. Did, was that intentional? Was that just an accident, or did that happen on purpose? Uh, it was total accident. 
which is what makes it so good, right? Because yeah. so I was <laughs> I was preparing for this one, and this is I mean, this is uncanny when this kind of stuff happens. I was preparing for this one, and not only did it line up with Valentine's Day, but this year lines up such that Valentine's Day fell on a Sunday. Yeah. So yeah. at that point, I was like, okay, we we just have to tackle this issue because you know. Uh, there's a lot that's great about our culture and look i love john hughes movies as much as the next guy pretty in pink all, all right i love that but our culture is obsessed with this idea that romantic love finding the one is going to ultimately satisfy and so uh, i just thought it was really neat to to lay that alongside the jacob story and say all right what's going on here Hmm. Yeah, this is definitely one of those stories you, you read as a kid. If you went to Sunday school and you actually started reading your Bible for yourself, you get to it and you're like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> this is really actually kind of dark and, and hard to, to, to swallow. But uh, interesting point you make there, Aaron, about pop culture and stuff, because we, we hear often this is one of our favorite statistics to throw around now. And in, in a even in a if you're talking to people who are even anti-marriage, you know, that, well, all all. 50% of marriages end in divorce and um, why would I even go and try to find love now, right? I hear people say that a lot in movies and stuff too, but um, is it, is pop culture have a lot to do with that? Is that, you know, it's, they, they, we've done ourselves a disservice when it comes to love. What, what do we think? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, yeah. I, I think, uh, I think Caesar would probably be able to better answer what the current temperature is in terms of pop culture because right because caesar's coming up on his one year anniversary yeah. so, so, so i have an answer but before we get to my answer caesar has has marriage uh exceeded your expectations and exceeded the expectations that culture told you to have yeah oh, how God. disappointed are you in your marriage katie tune out right now if you're yeah. listening to if you're that. there okay. My wife is listening to the podcast. You can uh, skip ahead. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's 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 it is weird. I was living in a house with three other guys who were single as well. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them was in a is in a relationship, been together for a long time, but the other two were also trying to figure out dating and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So when you're around, you know, three other guys who aren't married, you get a you get a a very skewed perspective, I guess, on what relationships might look like or should look like and so um well and a house and a house with three other guys i mean you you can only go up from there right right? exactly (laughs) so so i guess you know yeah yeah, on a practical level i was looking forward to you know just having to deal with one other personality personality (laughs) in one house um but but yeah it, it in some ways it's some ways it was a because I was hanging hanging out with other people um, at, from church, just who who had been married for a, for a while, just a little bit older than I am. I have, I am, but I have been married for a few years now and have kids. And so, I I, I try to diversify, I guess, my expectations. And so, um, you would just hear from from them that how great it was, and but also how hard it is, of course. But just all the benefits, you know, that come with being tied to somebody. Um, and committed to somebody so mm. so i think my expectations were were met but then covid threw like a huge wrench into everything so um i'm yeah. learning, i'm learning how to be married to somebody in a context that no one really knows how to you know be in a relationship but uh but yeah i think in 
ways we're we're um, we're uh, really pleased with how things are going. We're excited about you know kind of where we've been, and COVID has just I guess given us a lot of time to to talk and to uh, you yeah. know figure out all the chore dynamics and work life balance kind of stuff at a really fast pace. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I guess when COVID is done and we're like, you know, having to coordinate our schedules more and, you know, all that kind of stuff that happens when you don't check your Google calendar to see that your wife planned something mm-hmm. for friends the same weekend as you did. Yeah. With other friends <laughs> and you're having to cancel, you know, plans. That's when it gets right. a little crazy, a little dicey. But yeah, I think I think overall it's been really good. Well follow up question. Well, yeah, what's it like having friends? I don't know what <laughs> yeah i don't know it's a 33 year old with a a three-year-old what's it like having friends i i I talked to my old roommates recently and i i said it's weird because as soon as you get married everybody who you hung out with kind of just assume that you don't want to hang out anymore because you're married yeah Yeah. and i'm like man where all my friends go (laughs) and so um it we've i've been trying to reconnect with people say hey don't forget about me Mm. you know but it's been it's Oh, Speaking of, of John Hughes, don't you forget about... Okay, I got to stop singing. I really got to stop singing. Podcast is getting expensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, Aaron, you said you had a... And quickly, if let's get uh, your answer to that question. If, yeah, if we could, well, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, I think you know, it's, what's really interesting, I think the church um, has helped and harmed in this venture. Because on the one mm-hmm. hand, just, you know, it wasn't but a couple of weeks ago that we were in the garden in Genesis 1 and 2. Yeah. And... and and the scripture, the Lord in that passage very clearly says it's not good for this, for the human being to be alone, mm, right? Right. And so, so on the one hand, we want to affirm marriage, and, and absolutely. Um, and, and yet, uh, I think the scriptures invite us to have uh, probably a, a little different of a perspective than, than John Hughes does. <laughs> Um, yeah, probably. And I, I would sum, I would summer, I would summarize that this way, at least from my own experience, that that the primary lens of the scriptures when it comes to marriage is what I am covenanted to uh, to do for and to offer to my spouse. Hmm. And whereas John Hughes films are more about what my spouse is to do for and what she offers me. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's fundamentally an orientation uh, or trajectory kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, marriage is an opportunity to model the kind of other-centered love that God calls us to, and, and not even model it, I, I to practice it, right? <laughs> to, to learn how to do it, um, yeah. to, as, as the gospel, as Jesus says in the gospels, to lay down my life for that other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's a high calling. So, so the church has done a good job of saying, Hey, marriage matters. Sometimes the church, I think accidentally maybe messages this idea that, that you can't really have a fulfilled life without being married. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that's true. Right. Uh, in fact, the scriptures would, would, would counter that. So somehow we got to find the door number three in that whole marriage conversation. Um, uh, and, and I think, well, we just got to continue to fumble our way towards that. But yeah. you're saying that door number three is definitely not giving your older daughter up before your younger daughter and causing all kinds of <laughs> That's drama right. by treating people like property. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, that's yeah, how so, been... so Caesar, you, you... 
since you, you touched on something, yeah, you touched on something really interesting there, right? One of the things that makes this story so hard for us to access is that it's pulling on some very ancient cultural norms that to us seem very strange. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think we, you have to get your mind around, uh, and, and, and I'm not saying you need to um, turn a blind eye to the injustices of human people as possessions. Uh, but if we're going to understand the story on its own terms, we have to understand that in an ancient nomadic tribal culture, uh, you know, the, the patriarch really was everything. Um, and, and so that patriarch not only was responsible for everyone's livelihood, but they also then had kind of an ultimate power over them. And, and so, you know, we, we kind of have to put ourselves in that mindset when we're reading the story to understand it really was the father's decision in that culture, uh, who the daughters married. And, uh, you know, we, if we are willing to take that as the given, I mean, we can feel a little bit uncomfortable with that, about that. Um, Though, though, you know, my daughter and I joke all the time that I, I sure would like to have a lot of say in her decisions. <laughs> I, I don't know that I will, but I sure would like it. Um, it was just a different, it's a different culture. And so when we, when we can put ourselves in that position, we're better able to understand the dynamics at play there. Yeah, I remember reading the story again, or experiencing the story for the first time as a kid, um, or even a preteen, teenager, probably that area. But um you know, thinking very much, and this was probably coming from the ignorance of the culture, like you're talking about, that you know, Laban was like the bad guy. Like, like That's he right. did not. He he really wronged Jacob. Um, apart from you know, not quite understanding that Jacob, in his own way, had had wronged people as well. Jacob was not a, a great guy either. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and now, of course, we know, and you you touched on this, I think, too, Aaron, uh, so beautifully, is that you know. Jacob was kind of getting what he he deserved, but I I throughout the the cultural context, I saw Laban as really just this awful person. Like, how in the world could he yeah. do this to this guy that was in love? You know, uh, and it's hard. It's hard to swallow. Yeah. And, and Aaron, yeah. do you feel like with that story, um, because because with like you said, you mentioned that Jacob's not the not the hero in this story. So are we supposed to, at this point in a story, read a sense that Jacob's just ill-equipped to handle, I guess, what he also deals to other people? And so that's where, why we focus in on Rachel and Leah's relationship, like you did in the sermon. And then we just pick up Jacob later on. Like, why, why is Leah and Rachel, like, all of a sudden the focus in this kind of exchange that happens between, like, the dad and, and, and Jacob? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, there's, there are a couple things going on uh, in, in response to that. But one of the interesting things to me is that um, Genesis refuses to allow us to read it as a hero's tale. It just will not allow us to put it in that box. Mm-hmm. And I cannot emphasize how unusual that is in comparison to other ancient literature. Most other ancient cultures used hero literature as a way of teaching virtue. I, I think I touched on this a little bit on Sunday. And, but the Bible is, there is, there is no human hero in this story. Now, I kind of played tongue-in-cheek. I said Leah's the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, Leah seems to be the only one who actually gets it, if we want to call that the hero, you know. Right. Um, but, but I think that the real point of the story is, and we're going to touch on this this coming Sunday when we get to Joseph, Genesis as a whole 
is the story of God working through and in spite of very broken human beings. Mm. And the purpose that he's getting to, you know, let, let me step back. This is real nerdy, but really cool. So, so again, Genesis begins with the garden, go back a couple podcasts. We talked about that. And then in chapter three, really sin is entered into the picture because human beings said, no, thank you. We're going to do it our own way. And so then God, the real question of Genesis is, all right, well, what happens next? Right. And so eventually God makes this promise. He, he starts over with a family with Abraham, makes this promise in chapter 12. Look, Abraham, I'm going to work through you to bring about my rescue plan for all of creation. And that plan is that through you, I'm going to bless the whole world. That's, that's ultimately what I'm going to do. And so the rest of the story is about how God somehow, even as human beings continue to make really bad decisions, <laughs> he still brings about his purpose in spite of those repetitive bad decisions. So, I, I, you know, it's, it's really kind of, uh, it's comical, it's tragic, it's beautiful, all at the same time, because what we're seeing is that the, the true hero of the story, of course, is God. Mm. He's the one who remains faithful and, and finds a way forward, even as Jacob is doing his deception. He's, God is the one who finds a way forward, even as Laban does his crazy switcheroo. And, um, and, and Leah gives us just a little glimpse of that when she says, okay, okay, I see what's happening here. The Lord is the one who's in charge. I will praise the Lord. Mm, uh, yeah. Is there, is there some naivety in, in Jacob just automatically agreeing to work seven years and then, and then doing it again? I mean, that as a, again, as a younger person, experiencing this story for the first time and as a listener you may be experiencing this story for the first time too in which case we'd be we'd be really excited um but seven years feels like an eternity i mean just an eternity for someone who's mm. who's younger who perhaps has only lived alive seven years or even two times that um it's was he just accepting the patriarchal kind of mandate was he so in love that he would have done anything would he have worked half of his life for rachel what What's your take on on Jacob just, and maybe the subtext that we might not get in the in the scripture, of of him just agreeing to, to mm. basically indentured servitude. Yeah, well, you know, rem remember the number seven's a big number. Yeah, and and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Seven has carries with it this um, idea of completion. So yeah. you could you could think of it as he was just. Um, you know, if you want to spin it in the John Hughes way, you could say he was so totally committed. I don't yeah. think the story goes there. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think what the story is saying is, wow, he 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 gave himself over to this totally. Yeah. And um, and so then at the end of seven years, when he's ready to finally get what he purchased with his seven years uh, and he doesn't get it. I think that's the climax of the story. That's where we're like, oh no, what happens now? Yeah. And I think what we expect is for Jacob to throw a fit, you know, say, wait a second, you can't cheat me out of this. Yeah. Take, take what he wants anyway. You know, he, yeah, he that's just, right. Yeah. Yeah. He could, you know, there are all kinds of ways he could have responded. So why is it that he acquiesces to another seven years? And mm. I, that I tried to draw it. I, I wish I had spent more time in that. What, what I think when I read that story, and this is just Aaron, uh, but what I think is that 
he he's he's had to look at himself in the mirror because again what what laban says to him is it is not our custom to prefer the younger to the older yeah which is like the lowest blow to jacob because remember he's the younger and so laban's basically calling him out yeah either consciously or unconsciously i don't know right but jacob is suddenly cut to the heart because he realizes the depth of his sin i would use that language there and and i think he at that point he's just so undone he's like okay i guess i guess i'll just do another seven years like yeah. it like yeah i think he's almost broken in that moment mm. so was it sin his obsession with with rachel or was it this kind of or is it even deeper than that this kind of searching for something that wasn't god you know was rachel just the object of his kind of deep-seated obsession with with needing to be loved or or was it something else i think i've always kind of interpreted jacob's stories as just his his biggest the thorn in his side if you will is just his selfishness right it's just his inherent kind of he's kind of got blinders on he'll do whatever it takes to get what he wants and i think you see that with him and his brother i think you see that with with his his wives (laughs) you know he'll he, he kind of doesn't necessarily have uh, anyone else's well-being in mind when he acts. He's kind of seems he reminds me a little bit of Peter in that way, right? He's just kind of like we're going forward, we're doing this thing, and it's it's all kind of all about what I want, and my desires. Is that is that right, Aaron? How does that strike you? Yeah, well, I think that's the portrayal we get of him, right? But yeah. but sees when I said his sin, I meant specifically his deception uh, uh, against his brother and his father, right? That's yeah. the great, that's the great sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, 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 he lied, he stole, he cheated. Um, we don't even have the commandments yet, but he's already ticking them off. Uh, he's breaking it, them right? all. Yeah. 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 Which, which again, is going to be a real contrast to his son, to his son, joseph when we get to Mm. joseph it's it's a contrast to jacob right yeah uh and so it's just kind of interesting um joseph's not gonna cheat he's not gonna deceive uh in fact he's gonna do the right thing and the wrong thing's gonna happen to him for doing the right thing which is a whole different kind of problem um yeah well something you mentioned during the sermon that i thought was really just to me was really interesting was that you you talked about jacob's view of rachel as kind of she's the answer to the problem that his deception has caused whereas yeah. like his deception has caused family strife he's not with his dad anymore he's his brother is like out to get him um and so he's looking for someone to just to start over with mm. and yeah that i mean i was like wow that's so that's so uh that's such a relatable we talked about earlier just the you know our societal kind of stuff and our views on love and that's not much different than how we view love and and yeah. relationships nowadays and so i was gonna i was gonna ask you both a question just like you guys mentioned i'm i'm only in my first year of marriage so i'm only realizing maybe some of my expectations that i had before coming in that i didn't even know i had right, uh, right. what were some of for you guys in y'all's own upbringing or just kind of when you guys took your first steps in y'all's relationships um, with with your with your wives, what were some of the um, great reversals of like, oh, I didn't I didn't know it was going to be like this. Um, 
and what what was God teaching you in that in those first maybe say a couple of years of marriage? I'm trying to decide if I want to be honest and say that He's still teaching me those things, <laughs> or if I've actually learned you know, 100. Yeah, or the lesson that you learned the first time around. The first time, yeah, 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 that you're still learning now. Well, that's that's such a great question and a great question for us to ask ourselves in any relationship, really, not just in our marriages, but um, it it real it's. It's not a, I think the biggest one so far, obviously, it might be obvious, but it's just, it's not about you, right? It's, it is and it isn't. It's, in a way, God gives us spouses as a, as the, probably the greatest gift he'll ever give us uh, alongside children and and our other family members and stuff. But at the very same time, even in seeing them as a gift, it's, it's still not about you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in fact, I think what God wants to teach us in the caring for other people, which we enter into a covenant relationship with what we're agreeing to is to care for that person, um, fully and solely what that, that care means a complete death to self, um, for their good, right? Not for ours, Mm -hmm. even though we do learn things along the way. So I think that's what. Uh, you're not quite ready for until you have to do it uh, in in marriage and in parenting. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's not, it is so not about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. just in that way that it, that's not about you. You know, you have to put your spouse first. It's like, no, no, no. It's, it's real. There's nothing about this that is for, if, if you want to really be, I think what God calls us to be, it, it really is a, a full dying to self, right? And he says that, and we see that in Christ, right? Greater love has no man than to lay down his life mm-hmm. for his friends. I, so I think that's what I am learning and will continue to learn, I think, until I die <laughs> as a stubborn man, right? But yeah, I don't know. Aaron, what would you say? Well, I, you know, I'm happy to talk about my own marriage, but one of the things that jumped off of me when you asked it is it's interesting. I know from my own kind of psychology background, just as a pastor as well, that, um, the one of the highest uh, rates of divorce happens at yet in marriages. So the kind of the peaks of divorce are are years one, three, and seven, or at least they, they were back when I was studying this stuff a while back. Yeah, and and it's kind of kind of interesting. And you can see about the first year, it's like, oh no, what did I do? You know, so, and then it's like j- jump ship immediately. But interesting to me that that year seven stands out right uh, and and the connection here to working seven years and just I, I don't know something intriguing about that I think what what's interesting is um, you, you can probably keep the the guys up for about seven years that this that this is what you thought it was going to be mm. uh, and and but but you're by the end of seven years you you really are confronted with the reality of the relationship the strengths, the struggles, everything in between. And I, I do think it's at that point, uh, again, not without a touch of irony as it connects to our Jacob story, uh, at that point where you really have to decide, I'm going to double down. Mm-hmm. And and what's interesting to me about the Jacob Rachel so-called love story is that um, all we're given as justification for his love is Rachel's beauty. Yeah. Quite literally her sexual attraction. And um, there's a famous Jewish scholar uh, named Robert Alter who uh, draws this out. Uh, he's considered one of the leading experts on kind of historical context. And uh, he has a commentary on Genesis that, that I just love. And he says, look, this is scandalous when Jacob go- turns to, to Laban and says, 
get I've I've finished my seven years. Give me your daughter so that I can have sex with her. I mean, that's in Hebrew. That is quite literally what he says. And it is as scandalous in Hebrew as it is in English. And um, unfortunately, a lot of our Bible translations have tried to soften that, you know, they'll say, give me your daughter so that I can lie with her or so I can, you know, they, they try to soften, but it's really harsh. And Caesar, to answer your question from earlier, I think that's where we get a glimpse that this is, this is Jacob in desperation, not Jacob in love. Does that mm. difference make sense? He's, he's wanting to possess something that he thinks is going to do something for him that he's deeply aching for, longing for. Mm. And, and what we're going to find out is it doesn't solve the problem. It, I, again, the great irony or the, 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 the tragedy of the story is that the very same conflict that he's running from in his home family, he simply runs into in his marriage. He, he He's running away from this sibling rivalry and what he ends up marrying is a sibling rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and how does that then affect the rest of the story in Genesis? And, and we're going to see the sibling rivalry in Joseph, right? It's, mm. it, it's, it, the sibling rivalry is, is a, a, a it's a type in uh, it's a it's a uh, it's a typology in the story of Genesis that sh- confronts us with the struggle of human relationships and what sin does to human relationships and how do we navigate that? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we navigate that as Christians? Uh, how do we navigate that with God's help? Uh, how, how do we navigate that in a redemptive way? Uh, it, it's really really interesting. Yeah, I've I've often wondered, and perhaps we can close with this. Um... Uh, you know, I've wondered if in a way, and not to say God does this kind of thing to, to be vindictive or anything, but it, in a way, the, the fact that Rachel has a hard time having children is a, is a little bit of the monkey's paw, right? It's a little bit of the be careful what you wish for thing. Uh, the monkey's paw being kind of a, a literary device, which is, it gives you all these wishes, but there's always this really dark silver lining, <laughs> like this thing that you have to give up. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I is that is that God trying to kind of wake Jacob out of his selfishness in a little way, saying like, "Hey, this thing that you lusted after, this thing that you chased so vehemently, like, is not actually what you need or what you want." You know, I just I, the irony of that is always is never lost on me. I find that kind of fascinating. What do you what do you guys make of that? Well, if if is if what that altar guy <laughs> the altar guy the altar uh, guy yeah 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 robert uh alt, 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 altler atler atler robert atler excuse me yeah then if, if that's his yeah if atler's you know if we, if we play that forward if if jacob is has objectified this other person um then it, it seems like rachel could just be a casualty of that objectification mm. right and her barrenness maybe it it, it points to that that objectification like well okay if this is all you wanted her for then that's all she'll be yeah and, yeah um and yeah i don't and i think that's just such a such a, a sad thing that someone i think we we'll, we'll probably talk about this next week that somebody else's actions has ramifications for another individual's life that's out of their control is is one of the greatest tragedies i think of, of human experience that that as much as I would like to have control over my life, that if somebody else chooses to do something, 
that that hinders you know my flourishing like that's totally possible <laughs> that's yes. totally within mm. the realm of of what is expected in this human life that somebody else could you know ruin my life and and i would have no control over that yeah so that, that, when i when i think of that particular aspect of the story i see it more as like a I see it more as incriminating towards towards Jacob than it reveals anything about the sibling tension between between Leah and Rachel. But I don't know if that's yeah. Leah, Leah and Rachel are are in the historical context are somewhat powerless in this, aren't they? I mean, yeah. they really are. So, sees it's interesting. So, Rachel, you know, I forget if it's her first son. I think it's her first son. She names. I can't remember the name. I'd have to look up the scripture, but. Hebrew, it literally means I have struggled against my sister and prevailed. That's what she names her first child. Ra <laughs> Rachel so, or Leah? Uh, Rachel. Rachel, yeah. So jo yeah. It's not J Joseph, right? Because Joseph and Benjamin are her two sons, Gosh, right? Yeah. Does she have another kid? I thought I thought she only had Joseph. Who, well, I, you know, I, now that I speak it, I might be speaking out of turn. I'd have to go back and... I, I again, I'm grasping here from some stuff I read, but I didn't take good notes on. So yeah, we'll, uh, but, we'll but, have an addendum in uh, next week's episode. There we go. We'll we look it up. Dive deeper back. into Joseph. Yeah, <laughs> but, but let me but let me just say this because what's interesting, I love that you called attention to Rachel in this season because Rachel is the one we have in mind in John's Gospel when we get to the we get to Jacob's well and Jesus and the Samaritan woman are there. Yeah, and and it's the same well where Jacob first saw Rachel and Jesus walks up and who does he see, but he sees the Samaritan woman and the text goes out of its way to tell us the reader, this is Jacob's well, like they, the, the text, like, you know, that John wants us to know, here's the background for this story. Don't miss it. It's like flashing red lights. Wow. And then, and then the fact that Jesus loves the Samaritan woman in the way that none of her six male relationships have been able to love her. Hmm. It's just this, I mean, holy cow. That's one of those moments when you see the whole of the Bible telling this one story pointing to Jesus and you're just like, my mind is blown. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus is the husband that Rachel longed for. Jesus is the husband Leah longed for. Jesus is quite honestly the bridegroom Jacob was longing for. Yeah, right? yeah. Just, and the companion, uh, in turn, if you look at it this way, you know, for us, it's the who we're all longing for, right? Who we're all longing for. Yeah. Who we're all. And so then, when Jesus says, "Look," because and it's a, it's a little tongue in cheek, right? And again, John's readers would have gotten this. We have to do a little bit extra legwork, but John's readers would have gotten it when Jesus says, "Look, everybody's coming to this well thirsty." <laughs> Jacob came thirsty, Rachel came thirsty, Samaritan woman's coming thirsty, and he says, I've got water. I've got a different kind of water for you. Yeah. Well, my goodness. Well, that's uh, a wonderful note to end on as we continue in our look at the whole Bible, the whole story. That's the reason we do this, to find those connections, to find those little nuggets that are just so exciting and awesome to find in the scriptures. And we hope you're enjoying the journey with us. Hope you will continue to join us as we uh, hear from Aaron and our, our speakers and also deep dive into those messages each and every week here on the podcast. Yeah. Any last thoughts guys, as we kind of close our time together? Yeah. Uh, next week, Nathan is going to sing every single song from pretty in pink. So don't yep. miss it. <laughs> yeah. I've already got the band lined up. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, uh, Aaron and Caesar, thank you guys for once again, taking the time to discuss this uh, with me and with our listeners. Thank you guys. Good to see you. 
Uh, folks, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Tell Us More. Hope you join us again next week. Bye-bye.